live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 37 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in whatever you want to do. Just you, you tell me. And last night, last night, I had, I had supper with a group of people I didn't know very well. But the woman sitting across the table from me, I don't know how we got onto the topic of gardening. And I, because I didn't know them well, I had not really introduced myself and what I do, what my job is. But she started off about her own gardening experience. And she said, you know, everybody says it's so easy to garden. Now, this is a you know, woman who has a teenage son. She's not 20 years old. She's not 80 years old, but she's old enough to sort of been around for a while. And she says, everybody says it's so easy to garden. And every time I try to garden, I put my tomato seeds or my flower seeds or my whatever seeds out, and they don't come up, or if they do come up, they live for a while, then they die. And then they, I ask somebody else, what is it that I'm doing wrong? And they start talking about pH. And she said, as soon as they talk about pH, it just goes over my head. I don't want to know about pH. I don't want to know about the soil tilth. I want to know why is my tomato dead? So we had a nice laugh about that when someone... A few minutes later, I said, Walter, what do you want to say to Cordelia about pH? And I said, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about pH to Cordelia because she doesn't want to know about it. And it's not that important anyway. If you have 10 acres of tomatoes, if you have a huge golf course, if you have you know any number of sort of agricultural heavy production Things that you're trying to trying to accomplish or get a harvest from or have a nice uh, vista or something in your golf course. Yeah, it's important to have the, the soil at the right acidity level. But if you're just growing one tomato in your backyard or if you're just having a little bitty lawn or if you're just uh, you know growing a few flowers in a flower bed, don't worry about the pH of the soil. This is a pH-free zone this morning. I will, I will talk about pH if you want to. If you ask me what the pH, uh, what effect it has on your plants, I can tell you. Hey, I majored in chemistry at the University of Georgia, so I know what acidity and alkalinity and logarithmic scales and all that stuff is. But if you don't want to talk about pH, I won't bring it up. How about that? All right. 404. Cordelia, I'm not going to talk about pH this morning. 404-872-0750 is my number if you want to call in and ask any other question other than, you know what, we'll talk about it a little bit. Mickey is out in Midland, Georgia. Hey, Mickey, good morning. Uh, good morning, Walter. What's I absolutely up? love your show. Thank you, Mickey. What's on? What's up? Uh, I have several varieties of lantanas. Yeah. And I was wanting to know how many times or if I can split the plants and replant them. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, splitting is maybe not the right word for it because 
When when we say split, I'm thinking of a plant that has a real tuberous, fleshy root system like a what a daylily or a hosta or something like that. Whereas with um, right. with lantanas, that's not exactly how they grow. What a lantana, in my experience, will do is you plant it, you, know, you got it in the yard, and it comes up in the summertime, it blooms, big deal, you got all the flowers on it, nice. And in the fall, if you dig around the base of it, you'll see that it's not exactly made a fleshy root down there, but it's rooted itself two or three times a couple of inches away from the main plant you put in back in the spring. That's what can be split. It can be divided, maybe is a better word. Yeah, it can be divided if you find new little bitty plants alongside the mama plant. And honestly, I tell you, Mickey, I don't think I would do it now. I don't think I would do it now. I think what I would do is wait until you do, do, do. When does your, when does your lantana start sprouting in the spring, Mickey? Uh, probably March. March. All right. So stick around until March and wait till you see those little green sprouts down at the next to the ground and then dig a big, as much of it up out of the ground as you can. Take a water hose and wash off the dirt just to see how many little sprouts you have next to the mother plant. You may have two, three, I don't know. Each one of those, if you take a little uh, snipper and snip it from its connection with the mother plant, you can take it. It has some roots on it. It has a little green growth going on it, too. Each one of those, plant them somewhere else. And now Mickey's got three, four, five new lantana. That's what you do. Wait till March and do it then. Okay. Now, the, the limbs that die... I'm supposed to cut those all the way back. Am I correct? <laughs> oh, Mickey, I can feel the scars right now on my body from the arguments that I got into with my former call screener here at the radio station, Teresa Shrum, who had very strong opinions in her system about whether you should cut a lantana back. I have very strong opinions about why you should not cut it back. And we would, Mickey, sit in here on Saturday mornings and argue about that. <sighs> And I promise you, it ain't going to make a whole lot of difference if you cut it back or not. So I would cut it back if it's ugly. And in my mother's case, she had a great old big uh, Miss Huff Lantana, big, you know, six feet tall and eight feet wide, right next to the walkway into her office and at her home. That thing would get all over the walkway. People couldn't get around it to get into the into her office door. And so, yeah, that got cut down every year. As soon as it turned brown in the in the fall, early winter, I was out there with my trimmer going, cut that bubble down. But if it were not in the way, you could leave a lantana fine. If you don't mind the brown, ugly stems, no problem with me. Leave it alone until the green growth starts coming up in March. Well, I, appreciate, I appreciate that because I've been cutting them back. Yeah. You know, one more thing. I'm, Mickey, I learned from my mother's lantana is if you cut it back every year, obviously you're removing a bunch of stems and leaves and you know things, brown stuff that you carry off and put it in the trash or put it on a compost pile or burn or whatever. But by con- constantly removing that plant material, you're actually taking a bunch of nutrients away from that spot. Makes sense. You know, the leaves and stems that you take away, they had nutrients in them. They had some nitrogen. They had some phosphorus and potassium all in them. You toted them away. I toted them away from her house. You need to fertilize lantana as a matter of course to replace the nutrients that you took away when you when you harvested them. So be sure every year when, when they start growing, Mickey, uh, fertilize them once then, maybe another time in June 
It'll be a great middle of the growing season, I guess. And that will make your lantanas even more better, bigger, prettier, more butterflies. Everybody's happy with your lantana if you fertilize a couple of times a year. Sounds good. That's great information. Man, Mickey, I loaded you up this morning. <laughs> well, I'm out, and I really appreciate it, and I love your show. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you very much. You bet. We'll see you soon. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you back. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Mickey's place right there. Yeah, if you've got a question about what you have always heard you're supposed to do with plants, there are a lot of – you know me. You know I'm a lazy guy. And there are a lot of things that people say to do that I know from personal experience you don't have to do it that way. It's just sometimes, like my guest at the party last night, sometimes people get more further out into the weeds than the really beginner gardener needs to get. If you have a question about, hey, should I really do that? Is that really the right thing I need to do? Again, 404-872-0750. And don't forget, if you got pests, if you got ladybugs in the walls of your house, if you have kudzu bugs, if you have um, what else are things getting uh, uh, box elder bugs, if you got any of those pests, I would love to hear from you. This is a time of year that people start saying, "Oh God, I got these ladybugs crawling across the dining room table. What's going on here?" Call me, I'll tell you about it. By the way, I got a minute here to talk about the AJC, my favorite newspaper in Atlanta, because. Every Sunday when I get my Sunday edition of the AJC, there's a whole bunch of explainers in there. They explain what's been going on in the news the previous week. I love reading those because they're a short, concise summary of the news. I love reading columnists during the week. Jim Torpy had a fabulous article this past week, fabulous column. He wrote Jim Galloway, Greg Bluestein, Gracie Bond Staples, Maureen Downey. You have some great writers here in Atlanta. The Sunday edition, as well as every other edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is fun to read, informative, it's credible, it's compelling, it's complete, and they do some fabulous research and uh, investigation reporting on the huh, things that happen under this courthouse dome every year. You need to subscribe. I do, seven days a week. Subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It is worth knowing what's going on. It's 717. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Those girls, the Roaches, Terry, Maggie, Suzy Roach. Gosh, they're good singers. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Sunday today, high of 48 degrees tonight, low of 30, 48 degrees during the day, low of 33 tonight. Sunday, light rain, high of 56, low of 34. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Kenny in College Park has a question about a palm tree real quick. Hey, Kenny, morning. Morning, sir. What's up? Look, um, I guess it's been about three or four years ago. You was at a tight place off of 75 somewhere. All right. And I ran out there and bought some plum trees. Some plum now, or palm? Which which do you have? Plum. Plum. Okay. Plum of the fruit. Okay. 
Yeah, and uh, one of them leaned over like a weeping widow, huh. and right. it be so loaded, I have to pop it up with sticks, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. And the other ones grow so tall like a tree, mm. and the plums on it is red. Hmm. And the plums on the other one is um, yellow and with little maybe red, red stripes on it. Got it. All right. So far, so good. So it's so big now, I think I planted too close to the house. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh-huh. And I heard you talk about the honeysuckles or something that takes away from the tree. Yeah. So, so what's your question then, Ken? Can I cut it back? Yeah, real good. Well, real and, good. If 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 I were to ask you how much of the tree will you be cutting off, would you say ten percent, twenty percent, fifty percent? How much do you want to cut off, or would you need to cut off? Just the little thin limbs that runs out everywhere. So not, what percent? Not, not 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 the thick roots, yeah. not the thick limbs that everything run off of, uh-huh. just the outside. So what percentage? So would you say that would remove 50% of the limbs and the leaves on the tree? Or what would you say? Um, I don't know. Well, I'm kidding. I'm Come on. You, <laughs> I'm calling you. <laughs> yeah, but I left my, my crystal ball at home. I didn't bring it this morning, so I can't look at your plum tree and see what's going on. All right, let's get down to the get down to the bottom line, Kenny. Very likely, if you look at that tree and say, you know, if I cut that limb, that limb, that limb, and it's less than, say, 30 or 40 percent, if it's less than half, yeah, you can cut it back with caution. Now, I'm going to tell you, don't be just go out there with a chainsaw and go rah, 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 and cut it off. Think about every cut you make. Think about you want to, don't leave any stubs. Stubs are bad for any tree, so don't leave any little short stubs anywhere. Um, try, you know, to make it have a, a symmetrical form, one that doesn't be heavy to one side or heavy to the other side. And the one that's real tall, Kenny, it really does better for a plum to have a very open center and not be very tall. Peaches are the same way. The sunshine seems to penetrate and get onto the leaves a lot better when you have an open center and not a straight trunk in the middle. I know they've been around for several years. Your plum trees are not young anymore, but you can do a little bit of pruning in the middle of that tall tree and take away some of the limbs, some of the trunk, and open it up some so that sunshine just sort of look at it and say, eh, if I took that limb, that tall piece of the trunk there, it would let the sun get down in the middle better. That's what you want to do. So in other words, the ones that are running straight up, almost tall as my house, <laughs> then the ones I need to drop out. Yeah. At least some. Okay. Not, you know, again, I don't want to go more than 50% of the total tree removed, but... You could remove 30 or 40% of the tree right now in the winter when there's no uh, no leaves on it, and the tree will generally not care. You know I blame this on you because I went and bought it. <laughs> if I hadn't said buy it, you wouldn't have bought it, would you? You wouldn't be calling <laughs> me today, wasting your time with that man on the radio. Uh, yeah, well, Kenny, you know, turn it off. It's, don't don't listen to me I, next time. <laughs> okay. Then I heard you talking about the stuff in the ground. Yeah. Um, look. <laughs> I love gardens, but what I hate about it is weeds. Yeah. Trying to keep it clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to come over and help me one day. No, I'm not going to do that. That's not my job. (laughs) My job is to tell you what to do and how to do it properly, and I go home and take a nap. 
much. You bet, Ken. We'll see you soon, man. All right, then. My All pleasure right. talking to you. You know, one of the things that Kenny could do that every gardener can do is should learn the advantage of is just mulching the stew out of things. Don't go buy one bag of, bag of chips and think it'll cover your whole lawn, you know, one chip thick. Get 10 bags of chips. Go out and make a thick layer of chips or, or pine straw if you like to use pine straw or whatever you like for your mulch material. It should be at least two inches thick, maybe three around some plants, some shrubs, some trees. It will inevitably, the mulch, the chips or the pine straw will decompose during the year, which is good because it feeds the soil underneath. It'll become thinner, but it'll prevent a lot of weeds and a lot of problems if you mulch appropriately and uh, copiously, or more copiously, I should say, than I see a lot of people using. But don't be afraid to mulch. It will help Kenny and help you, too, to keep those weeds at bay. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back to more questions and partisan answers, too, right after news. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.35 on a Saturday morning, 37 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, a pH-free zone. We do not talk about pH unless you want to talk about pH. We don't talk about anything unless you want to talk about it. And all you have to do to talk about it, and frankly, this is an easy phone call to make. I'm a nice guy. DeMarco Williams is here this morning screening calls. He's as nice as Ashley is. He's really, really nice. You've talked to one of us. We're fun people, 404 Eight seven two zero seven fifty. Waiting in line the longest would be Carol here. Hey, Carol. Good morning. Hey, Carol. Carol, what are you doing? Carol's monkeying around in the leaves. We're gonna put Carol on hold until she gets back to the phone there and go to let's see, Kathy out in Woodstock. Hey, Kathy. Good morning. Hi, Walter. How are Hi. you? I'm fine. How can I help, Kathy? Um. Well, Walter, I have a Daphne in a pot in my backyard, yep. and it's kind of small, okay. um, but it took a hit from a limb, and the smaller the smaller branch off the main stem has torn. Ah. It's hanging on by a thread. Ah. Is it possible that I could wrap it back around with something and have it back in the main stem? No. Or should I just clip it off? Clip it off. Clip it off. Can Clip I it put off. it in water? End of story. <laughs> you can't put it in water and make it root. It will not do anything for you. Kathy, it is compost. Oh, I was afraid oh, of that. Man. But the thing is, Kathy, in the pot, you have a remarkable opportunity for your Daphne, and that is you can turn it. And if you had had this damage to a Daphne in the ground, you can't turn it around to make it face the sun. If you will take your pot, face it towards the sunshine in the spring and summer and fall, within a year or so, the leaves and the limbs on the far side, the shadier side of the pot, will sense the sunshine on the warm side. And if it is possible, this because this is the way plants work, it will start making new limbs and new leaves to come out into the sunshine on that side. And within a year or two, maybe, you'll have a lot more symmetrical Daphne plant. So turn well, it around and see what happens. 
I will do that. Should I protect that? Um, this, that the wound, the cut place? Yes. Not really. There's not a whole lot you can do, Kathy. You, you can't paint it with some tar or some glue or some preparation or anything like that. It's going to heal itself the way the Daphne is meant to do it. It will take care of itself. Your job is just to clip it cleanly. If there's any raggedy splinters and things around the cut, uh, clip them off or cut them off with a razor knife, one or the other. But basically, we'll let nature take its course. And I think in a couple of years, you will say, well, it's a little little funky jaw to one side, but I think it looks all right after all. And you'll have a nice-looking Daphne. Well, I'll save that little plant Christmas sweater that I knitted. I'll use it on another plan. All right. Thanks for calling, Kathy. It's nice to talk to you. Carol in Atlanta, or Agapanthus. Carol, good morning. Karen. Karen. It's Karen, not Carol. Hey, Karen. What's going on? Good morning. Hey, good morning. Love your show. Thanks. I need to know about wintering and Agapanthus, both in the ground and in the pots. Mr. Reeves, you know him. He's the host of the Lawn and Garden Show here in Atlanta. Mr. Reeves used to say that it was totally impossible to winterize and keep agapathus in the ground in Atlanta. Mr. Reeves moved into a neighborhood in which his neighbor had an agapathus that came up reliably every year for, I must have been, 10 years in her front yard. And every time I passed it, I thought, doggone it, didn't you hear me on the radio say you're not supposed to keep agapathus in the wintertime? Come on. I... It eventually died, Karen, so it, it, my, my prediction was true. It's just 10 years too late. So my view is on agapanthus, and they make beautiful flowers of blue, white, sometimes flowers that you get on agapanthus. Is a spectacular they're they're thing. They're gorgeous. Yeah. you got to dig them up. That's all you do. You do them like, um, what would be the, another example? Dig the bulbs up. Yeah, like amaryllis maybe. Mm-hmm. Or a banana, something that you are What about What about the pods? If you, if you bring them inside and... That would be fine. Or if the pots are are big and not manageable, if you covered them the base around the base with plastic and um, I don't think that's going to work. It's not going to protect them enough from temperature cold during the winter time. If you well, wrap the pot, you're going to have to bring them in where it's not. It doesn't have to be freeze proof. We bring them in. It could be a garage, but as long as it doesn't get down to 20 degrees around those bulbs, I think you'd be fine. Okay. I have one other question in my mind. Really quick, go for it. Um, you did a show uh, a few, I guess probably a month or so ago, about the copperheads and buckheads. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, is there a, is there a way to to hear a rebroadcast of that? Because I have yeah. lots of them. <laughs> you know, we have a podcast every week. We take the show and uh, cut the commercials out of it, and then upload it onto the WSV website. The easiest way to find it, frankly, is to go to my website and just type in podcast because that takes you directly to it rather than having okay, to wait. Okay, because I, I, I did them. try to find it on yeah. your website, but I was not able to. But I would be very interested to see what I can't what remember the if we go that. back that far, Karen, or not. Well, tell you what, tell you what, do if you do not find it on my uh, website or on the WSB website, either one, 
emailed me through through the website where it says contact Walter. Just say you couldn't find it, and I will find enough information to keep you and the Copperheads away from each other <laughs> and keep you happy and without having to listen to the whole radio show. Thank you. I killed two in one day, and the, oh. the only the reason for the, not the third one was that my hands were full and I had no weapon. <laughs> oh, well, he's a lucky Copperhead then. Yes, he is. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Karen. All right. Thank you, and Merry Christmas. You bet. You too. We'll see Bye-bye. you soon. Comes now, Gene, out in Carrollton, Carroll County. Hey, Gene, what you got? Well, how are you doing this morning, Gene, Walter? Gene, I'm doing great, man. What's going on? This is getting to this is getting to be a weekly thing with you, sir. Yes, sir. I've got the ladybugs all in my house, in my curtains, above yeah. my windows. Yeah. You said something about them earlier. Yeah. I said, well, if y'all got ladybugs, call me. Well, I got ladybugs. <laughs> he called me, didn't he? Yeah, and I've got the orange ones, the yellow ones, brown ones, but mm. I don't have any of the good ones. I think the red ones are supposed to be the ones that you want, right? A lot of the ones that are in the wall are, I wouldn't say they're bad ones, but they're the ones that uh, attack tree aphids. They attack uh, soft-bodied insects that live up in trees. Most of those that are in your house are the Asian ladybugs that came in. We thought we'd release some of them. I think the federal government released some of them to control uh, pecan aphids. And they didn't do a great job in establishing themselves in South Georgia, but, boy, they do great in middle Georgia and north Georgia. So those uh, aph- those ladybugs that you see, I think they still eat aphids. A- ladybugs are good because the adults and the larvae eat aphids and other soft-bodied things that eat your tomatoes and stuff in the, in the yard. But when they crawl inside your house and get all in the curtains and across the dining room table, well, they're a pain in the patootie. <laughs> yeah, we've got hundreds of them, and yeah. we just catch them and sling them out the window, you yeah. know, just to get rid of them. And, but they keep coming and keep coming, and I didn't know if the red ones were the good ones or they're all okay to, you know, don't worry about it. So when I plant my garden in yeah. the spring, you know, I don't have to worry about them eating my plants and my no, fruit and no, stuff. No, they don't eat your plants. Have you smelled them yet, Gene? They don't smell well at all. <laughs> That's the right word. They, they don't. Stink. <laughs> oh, you think a stink bug is bad. Yeah. These things really stink. Which is why any of you thinking that uh, you would just vacuum cleaner and you vacuum them up, don't do that. Your vacuum cleaner will stink like ladybug for a month or two. Nasty. Um, Gene, the easiest way that I have found to get them out of the house is not sweeping them or vacuuming them, but to get a cup and a, and a piece of cardboard, a little thin piece of cardboard, and just put the cup over them, slide the cardboard underneath, fling the... That's what we did, doors. Walter. We, we would catch them and uh, just sling them out the window. Yeah. We'd get four or five in a cup. Because yeah. if you smash them, they, I mean, they stink. I mean, they smell horrible. And they got that yellow... And we didn't want to kill them, you know. We wanted to... We heard they were good. You said yeah, they were good. Exactly. Like nursery gives them away, you yeah. know. So we just flung them out the window. But I didn't know if there was good ones and bad ones, if they're all okay, those, you know. Those are the good ones. Gene, you know, you have to admit that they didn't come by magic inside your house. They came through a hole that cold wind is going in and out of, too. So if you do a better job sealing around the windows, around the doors, around uh, siding and things, you'll have less ladybugs in the house. Sealing is part of the deal of keeping them out of the out of the house. Well, they're only they're only on the one side of the house, the side that gets the most sun. Exactly, the warm it's side. It's real house. warm on that side, my bedroom, kitchen, stuff like that, and they yeah. just they love that side of the house and they love coming indoors. Yeah, because of that, you only have one side of the house that you have to caulk. 
See, I've given, I've given you three quarters of a <laughs> job. You're saving me some work again, just did. like the crate marbles. <laughs> the one side of the house, the warm side of the house, you need to get out on a ladder and cock the stew out of all the joints and openings and things so they can't get in the house. Now, some of them are already underneath the siding. They're already in there, and they will continue to come out. But next year, when the fall comes and the ladybugs are looking for somewhere to spend winter, at least they will run into a layer of genified caulk and won't be able to get into the wall and won't be able to get into the house next winter. So no worries. They're not going to eat the plants that nope. I brought indoors for the winter or nope. nothing like that. Just keep getting rid of them and caught next year. Gotcha. Perfectly said, Gene. Exactly right. You have a great day, Walter. Merry right. Christmas to you and yours. All right. You too, Gene. We'll see you soon, man. Who we got next in here? Right. This is Great question. I really appreciate people calling. 404-872-0750, by the way, is the number. we got two minutes for Larry up in Cornelia. Larry, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Larry. Doing fine. What's up? Uh, I have an indoor plant that I have a question about, but I don't know the name of it. All right, let's figure it out. determine that first. All right. It, it grows from a bulb that apparently is not supposed to be completely covered. The vegetation is opposing blades okay. that come up, and then it has a stalk, foot and a half, two foot, with three great big blooms. Hmm. What color are the blooms? They are red. Clivia, maybe. C-L-I-V-I-A. Clivia has the bulb that's not supposed to be covered. It has opposing blades, leaves, whatever you want to call them, and has a stalk with flowers on it. Clivia is a is a guess, but maybe I'm right. What do you want to know about it, Larry? Uh, it's my understanding that it's, it is supposed to multiply. Is that correct? If it is clivia, yes. It'll have little offset bulbs down at the base. Some of them you won't see at the soil surface. They'll be at the bottom of the bulb, and you can just sort of lift it out of the pot sometimes and thump the, thump the soil off the bottom of the bulb and see if you have little baby bulbs down there, and they can be snapped off and replanted. Okay, so if you don't do anything like that, will they come up? Yeah, yeah, they'll come up beside the bulb, and you'll just be a bunch of different separate plants in the pot. Yeah. Okay, so mine don't do that, but the pot that it's in, the bulb is only, it has maybe an inch clearance all the way around. Would okay. that prevent it from doing that? That sounds a little small. Yeah, Larry, I think you need to repot. I think you need at least an inch or two inches would be nice around the you know, space between the bulb and the rim of the pot. Yeah, give it two inches. Okay, and how much of the bulb should be exposed? The top of a quarter, the neck, and a little bitty bit of the, of the body of the bulb, about a quarter of it. Okay, is this a good time to be doing that? This afternoon, you can go in there. And by the way, we've got University of Georgia basketball here this afternoon, Larry, and you could be listening to the basketball game and repotting your your plant while you listen to the game. Okay, good deal. Now, they're not real delicate or nothing. No, 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 not at all. Okie doke. Thank you, sir. That's great talking to you, Larry. Thanks for calling. In the next half hour, we're going to talk to Kim. She found an egg casing in her shrubs. I want to know what that egg casing was from. So, Kim, stay on the line. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. Well, it's Christmas time again. Decorations are on by the fire. Weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, sunny in the afternoon, high of 48, low of 33. Tonight, light rain may be moving in for tomorrow, high of 56, low of 34. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Kim, what did you find in your shrubbery? What have you got? Well, I, I was stringing some Christmas lights during the week, and I've got some Otto Lucas laurels in the front of my house. And I noticed that, you know, inside the bushes, there would be like a line strung between two branches. And then right dead in the middle of the line was a series of little balls that were like almost as they were were suspended. Uh These little balls were in the center suspended. It was like eight or six or eight of them stacked on each other, just hanging there. Yeah. And they're kind of a grayish white. What are they? How big are they? How big are these balls? The end of your finger? About an eighth of an inch. Spiders. I think spiders. spiders. Yeah, some of those nice spiders that were living in the Otto Luke and Laurel saying, Give me something to eat. I am looking around for insects and flies and stuff in there. The, the ball part, I think, would be spider egg cases for next year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you think that could be what's causing? I'm getting like some little holes in the leaves. New, okay. new. The spiders are completely beneficial. The holes in the oh. leaf, on the other hand, are very common on Otto Lucan laurel, and it's caused by a bacterial disease called shot hole. <laughs> you know oh. why it's called shot hole? Because it gets little, leaf, little holes in the leaves. There's little holes, yeah. yeah. So, I, can I get rid of that? Yeah, probably. The, the. The thing that seems to make shot hole worse is when you have auto-looking laurel in the shade or in a place where it doesn't get a lot of wind to dry off the rain when it gets wet. Um, what else have I seen? Maybe it's real thickly growing so there's uh, not enough sort of holes in the shrubbery to let the wind dry oh, off okay. again, I guess. So those are the things that really seem to exacerbate shot hole on auto-looking. There are fungicides, or actually bactericides, that you can use as one that uses copper, and I think it's called a copper soap that Pike sells, and spray that on the autolucans in late April before the leaves really make a lot of growth on them. But to protect the leaves for the summertime, you spray this copper fungicide on, and it keeps the uh, shot hole from developing during the during the growing season. Okay, so I'll, I'll um, do some pruning and kind of open them up a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lot of sun, indirect sun. Great. So, okay. Well, fine. thanks. I just thought these are, I mean, the, the line that they were suspended on was so tough. Yeah. <clears throat> I was just stunned. What I thought, Kim, that you were going to say was you saw these styrofoam balls around the stems of your shrub. And that uh-huh. is something that Christmas tree uh, um, owners, now people who get live Christmas trees, find a lot of times they're the egg cases of praying mantis. 
And the praying oh. mantis is a very beneficial insect, of course. Yeah, they're great. But when you warm up a Christmas tree with a dormant egg case and a hundred little baby praying mantises are all over your Christmas ornaments and your presents and the living room floor, it's spooky. It is creepy. To see yeah, all those creatures. No. That's not what you have. But should you see something that looks like gray styrofoam on the stem of your shrub or your Christmas tree, praying mantis, that's what they look like, styrofoam. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.